0: back to the fantasy pros football podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester, and I've got producer JP Gale with me today. We'll be joined by two guests, James Coe of NFL.com and Greg Smith of two QBs.com. We're going to be talking about some rankings, but first with James, it's the mid season. We're going to be breaking down the first half awards and second half predictions. So let's get into it. Hey, James, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, anytime. Like I said. So James, I was one of those fools that thought they were getting a steal by drafting Jamal Charles in the fourth round this preseason. Oh, as we all know, now he's on the IR. Is his career over?
1: Ah, uh, I mean he's on—he's certainly on the wrong side uh, of in terms of age. Um, you know, he's going to get a second procedure done on his knee, and we're talking about a guy that was never the biggest guy. Um, but very explosive and he only needed a few touches a game to really make an impact. But I don't know. I, I, I think I'd be, I'd have to look at his salary again, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas city kind of cut ties with him. Cause obviously he's one of their highest paid players. Spencer Ware has done a great job filling in charcantric West is a good change of pace back. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's the end of the road for him,
0: but it certainly may be the end of the road for him in Kansas city. I definitely think Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs can get by without him. They've got Eric Fisher and all those guys up front who've always done a very good job. And look, Jamal Charles is great, but um, yeah, I think he's done with the Chiefs. Somebody will pick him up. Maybe the Jaguars who seem to pick up a veteran every single offseason and it never works out. But I love Spencer Ware now for Dynasty Leagues because it seems pretty much set in stone. He's going to be the guy going forward and he looks really good. I mean, he might not play this week, um, but if he doesn't play, what do you think about Turk Kendrick West?
1: Well, he's a must play. I I do want to go back for for Jamal Charles a bit because I I know in fantasy, um, we get a little bit, I don't know, we get a little callous, right? Like because it's a numbers game and we're like, okay, well, Jamal Charles is gone now. So whatever, let's just move on. I I do want to say like Jamal Charles to me is one of my all time favorite players. He was nothing but an absolute class act. And also just the fact that, you know, every single Sunday uh, when he was healthy and in his prime, you didn't know what you were going to see but you knew you were going to see something amazing every single Sunday. Uh, and to me, he's one of the, he, he is, uh, one of the all time great running backs and, uh, and, and quite honestly, I, him going with Andy Reid was just, it was great. Um, Andy Reed's been so good with running backs throughout his career. I mean, taking no name guys and just turning them into monsters. And, and, and when Jamal Charles got with Andy Reid, I, I just thought it was a great marriage. And, um, and yeah, man, a little bit, of, I gotta be honest, a little bit of me died when I heard he was getting a second procedure done with James Andrews. So I was like, oh, that's a bummer. But no, getting back to your, to your question, Bobby, um, Charcantric West, uh, again, I, I just go back to Andy Reid. I don't even, I don't care who he's got going out there. I just know Andy Reid's going to get him prepared. Uh, we're talking about running backs, not so much wider receivers. That's okay. But but for running backs, I know he's going to get them prepared. I know he's going to get them uh, in the best places schematically. And and I just, I'll roll with him. I I doubt very seriously that Spencer Ware will go on Sunday. Uh, All signs are pointing to that he will not. Charkandrick West, to me, uh, given the bye weeks, given the injuries, I, I wouldn't, I'm not scared at all saying he's a top 10 fantasy wide or running back play this weekend.
0: You know, I, I saw some people spend 70 plus fab for Cher Kendrick West. He's probably just going to get one, maybe two weeks worth of starts. I mean, I understand he's a good handcuff at this point for Spencer Ware, but 70
1: bucks, man, that's nuts, isn't it? You know what that tells you? And first of all, let me tell you, I, I spent whatever I had left. I think I had 65 because here's the thing to me. What are we we're going to week nine. All right. And for a lot of folks, it's do or die time. It's either okay, I need to get this win or if I get this win, maybe I secure um, there's a there's a league I'm playing in where I am 7 and 1, right? So it's like if I get this win this week, it's over. Like I'm in the playoffs 100% for sure. And I think the crazy amount of fab that you're seeing being spent is the fantasy community basically saying, "Okay, we recognize that this dude does have uh, top 10 RB potential in a week where there's a million teams on a buy. Every, everyone in the position group is hurt. This guy's going to be, could be a difference maker this week. And because it's so late in the season, I think that's why you're seeing folks just go crazy on Fab. And I'm one of those people. I spent 65 bucks. I don't even think I
0: got him. I don't think I got him for 65. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. See, I'm one of these guys who's just hanging on to all his fab because everyone's spending at the end of the year, I'm going to be able to pick up the t- the Tim Hightower of this year. And look, I don't think Tim Hightower is going to be the Tim Hightower of last year. Um, But, you know, there's going to be someone like that. There's an injury coming, whether it's Ezekiel Elliott and Alfred Morris is the guy. Uh, He would be a great pickup if if Ezekiel Elliott went down. There's going to be someone like that. And I'm planning on on saving my money so that nobody can outspend me uh, when it comes to the playoffs. So I don't know. We'll see which which way works. Um, I've usually been the guy who spends all his fab up front. And then I'm always left wishing that I was able to pick up David Johnson or Tim Hightower or someone like that. So
1: I hear what you're saying, but. I don't know, man. Like I I think this late in the season, I mean, we're going into week nine. There's not that many weeks
0: left. It's nine, 10, 11, 12, and then playoffs. Yep. Yep. You're exactly right. Uh, So Percy Harvin just signed with the bills and uh, the bills. I can't even tell you who their best wide receiver is before the signing. Maybe Marquise Goodwin or Robert Woods. It's really ugly. Can Harvin step in and become fantasy relevant for the rest of the season or is he just kind of a, a name? I'm not buying it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not buying it. I, I, we've seen enough
1: game tape on Percy Harvin. I'm, I'm just not buying it. And, and plus, he's coming into a new situation on a short week. And that's just I, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not investing time or effort thinking about Percy Harvin. I, I just don't I, I just don't get it. I mean, he does look, the, the, I will say this one thing, you know, if people are excited about him, I, I, the one thing I will say is this, he's a speed guy. So like literally if they just said, all right, we're going to bring him in for 15 snaps and on, and on eight of those snaps, he's going to just go run the nine route. You're just going to go just straight down the sideline and Tyrod Taylor First of all, this Bills offense likes to go downfield. Tyrod Taylor likes to go downfield. Tyrod Taylor's good at throwing balls downfield, um, and so if there is a marriage there, then that then that certainly makes sense. But I mean, overall, I, I'm, what are we asking from this guy, right? To like basically come out of retirement and where? First of all, it's like, oh, he was in retirement. I didn't realize that. I just thought he was bad and wasn't. On a bad <laughs> That's what I thought. I was just like, okay, like. I mean that's like me saying I'm gonna retire. Like I mean no, it, it. I mean it just doesn't make sense. Like you're not you're not that dude, right? Like you're not Jay Z. Like you're not Michael Jordan. You're Percy Harvin, bro. Like like you just okay. Anyways, whatever. Bottom line is he has a skill set that does match Tyrod Taylor's skill set. But I mean, when did he get signed? Monday? Tuesday? I think Monday. uh, we're asking this guy to, to come in, step in, and be a I just don't – I don't know, man. I just don't necessarily buy it this week. Yeah, so like best-case scenario, wide receiver
0: 70, right?
1: <laughs> I guess. And, and like the thing is, this is what's crazy about fantasy football or just football in general. Like he only needs to make one play. Like you know what I'm saying? So like people hit me up all the time I'm like, oh, I can't believe you didn't tell me to start this guy. It's like, dude, listen, man, like I, I cannot predict – I only give you the percentage chances of something happening, right? Exactly, like, man. It only yes. takes one play. <laughs> That's it. It takes one play. Like, I can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, if Marquise Goodwin hits a 60 yard bomb for touch, like, how, like, who the hell saw that coming, right? Like, yeah, it could happen. Percy Harvin, 65 yards to the house. Yeah, that could happen 100%. I'm just saying the probability of it happening is pretty low.
0: I feel like if someone does it for the Bills, it's going to be the Olympic athlete. It's not going to be Percy Harvin, who's uh, old and might need a hip replacement next year. No, right. know it's going to be Marquise Goodwin. Right. All right. So North, North Turner stepping down from the offensive coordinator position for a Super Bowl contending team. This is nuts. But what fantasy impact will it have? Um, I'm, I've never been a North Turner guy. I, I, ne-
1: I never have been. And like, it's funny because everyone keeps saying like, well, North Turner, he's one of the best in the game. I mean, look at what he did to the 90s Cowboys. bro. Like we're so far beyond the 90s Cowboys now. Like this is ridiculous. You know, it's like, oh, well, like, I mean, you could say he revolutionized the game. I'm cool with that. I mean, to say that in today, 2016, that North Turner is still a good offensive coordinator is absolutely freaking ridiculous. The games pa- to me, the games passed him by. Um, I mean, they're talking about, you know, oh, well, you know, he wants to run that, you know, bang nine route or whatever, whatever it's called uh, the seam route for a big slot. Okay. I mean, like, I, I don't know, man, like th- it's just, it's crazy. I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a big North Turner fan. I don't really think it means quite frankly, I don't think it means anything like the fact that the, the, the Vikings were struggling I will say this. I don't think the reason the Vikings were struggling was because of Norv. Um, I think maybe a better offensive coordinator could figure out a way to get the short passing game going a little bit better, Um, and that's what Norv Norv doesn't like to really do that. He likes to go vertical, Um, and he likes to use his tight ends a lot, too, on longer routes. He doesn't have that personnel. Like Kyle Rudolph is a great red zone threat because he doesn't have to go downfield, right? Um, he's kind of a big, he's a big boy, but he's not going to burn anybody. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I don't know for me, I I don't think it means much going forward. I think, I think the problem is their offensive line. The left side of their line is absolutely ravaged. So I mean, and we are seeing the Chicago bears get to the Vikings. We're seeing I mean, pretty much anyone who wants to get to the Vikings quarterback is going to do it because the offensive line is, is completely ravaged and it's disrupting their offense. Like, so I don't know, like they need short passing game. They need a couple of, uh, of, uh, draw plays in terms of keeping the pass defense off of them. But I mean, they, they also have, I mean, this is the funny thing too. It's like, dude, listen, they have Sam Bradford too. Like I get that the first games he came in, he looked great. He looked great and everything, but it's Sam Bradford guys. I mean, I mean, let's, let's like let's like get crazy here you know what i mean like so i don't know i, I don't know if it means much for the offense at all um I, it's an it's an offense that i wish i wasn't really a part of i mean i like Diggs as an overall player a uh, versatile guy but i don't know you know they're gonna switch i don't even i don't even know who their oc is gonna be but a mid a mid-season change at oc doesn't generally mean
0: too much yeah yeah. It's so sad for Sam Bradford. This is like his 90th offensive coordinator, right? He just gets people fired left and right. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's what it is or if like, uh, he's just never got a chance to banter the same guy and maybe he could have been a good quarterback, but he's not now he's ruined. Right. Um, so yeah, here's another example of that. And it's just crazy. I, I can't believe that a team that it, it's a, they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. They have a coordinator stepping down mid season. Can I
2: jump in real quick and say that I read this morning it'll be Pat Shermer? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Oh Yeah, it's Pat Shermer's coming in to be the offensive coordinator. Ah. Uh
1: I think he's getting reunited, right? Pat Shermer and uh, Sam Bradford, I think, worked together right. in Philly. And uh St. Louis, I oh, think. Oh, and in St. Louis. So there well, you That's
0: go. not a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> he was not good there. That's a great point. That's a great point. <laughs> All right, James. So we're halfway through the season. Uh, Hopefully all the listeners are in the driver's seat for their fantasy playoffs, or at least within the picture. I guess if they're not, they can head over to the DFS podcast Friday morning. Anyway, since it's midseason, it's time to hand out some awards and make some second half predictions. James, who do you consider the first half fantasy MVP?
1: Well, I think it's got to be David Johnson. Um, You took him with an extremely high pick, first five pick. There's no question about it. Um, and he's paid off. I mean, it's amazing. Like considering all the injuries, the negative game scripts, uh, the Cardinals themselves have been playing from behind, but it doesn't matter. DJ's in there just working grinding. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard not to say him, although, you know, a very close second place, I think no doubt about it is Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, yeah, definitely
0: him. Uh, Demarco Murray. I mean, he's been as consistent as anybody. Oh, I have you know him what, number man, two. I,
1: you're right. I forgot about Demarco, especially given his price tag, like given his ADP, the fact that he's just been rumbling. No, you're right. Uh, he's definitely um, the guy. Oh, gosh, he might. He might. You're right. I think he might be the midseason MVP, just
0: given his ADP. It's remarkable. I mean, you look at his games. 20, 18, 24, 24, 16, 12, 20, 19, 12 is the worst game. I would take that from any running back any week. He's just, uh, man, I'll tell you what, I whiffed on him this preseason. because I I thought he was done. Uh, Uh, Tennessee's offensive line was terrible last year. They had Ben Jones there at center and uh, everything turns around. I I was not expecting that, but, um, you know, he's been good. He's going to be good the rest of the season. I like him a lot.
1: I think you're kind of sort of seeing the tread though. Um, you know, the, uh, the fact that he injured his toe, I know that he came back. Um, we talk about guys spending a, a, a ton of money on fab. Like I saw a lot of people spend a lot of money on Derek Henry, because I think we're starting to see the cracks a little bit. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think anybody would be surprised given his usage. I mean, they are just running him into the ground. I wouldn't be surprised if, if DeMarco had to sit out a couple of weeks at all, uh, especially late in the year if this team, and this team's not going anywhere, so it's like, you know, if this team is really not going anywhere, I wouldn't be surprised to see them work in Derrick Henry quite a bit. I got to be honest with you. I think DeMarco Murray, to me, is a great sell high candidate. I I mean you've
0: gotten I agree. You know, eight weeks I said this or the year that he rushed for almost two thousand yards though, too. So <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he he always proves me wrong.
1: Well, I mean when I say sell high, sell high. Like don't don't get you know bad value back. It's not like I'm saying, oh, sell him for Carson Palmer. You know, I just think, yeah, go get you know like if you need depth on your team go get a good solid wide, like a top 20 wide receiver and and maybe a a, a bottom end top 10 running
0: back back where well, i'd trade him for mike evans that's the guy i want and i think oh, uh, sure. most people think murray's better the rest of the season than evans i completely disagree i don't yeah man I, i'm
1: with you uh um you know i mean hell you know if you could get if you could get mike
0: evans back yeah sure why not all right, now let's take a look at the best value pick of the season. There's three guys that stand out to me. I'll let you go first, though. Well, I mean, we just
1: talked about it. I mean, DeMarco Murray's got to be the best value. Um, if, if this guy's a borderline MVP candidate, I, there were drafts where I, I didn't see DeMarco go until double-digit rounds. So, I don't know, it's, it's got to be – he's got to be up there. I, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure who else would be in that, in that category. LeGarrett uh,
0: for, uh, for the Patriots. Uh, Michael Crabtree, maybe uh, Matt Ryan, he's the number one quarterback so far. And what was he going? 13th round? Something like he that? might not have even been
2: drafted,
1: bro. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I wasn't long. drafting
0: him. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Because
1: last year he was a disaster. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like I, 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 I've gone back and forth, but like part of me is kind of like, I, I don't think we should be that surprised by Matt Ryan because I think the arm talent has always been there. The work ethic has always been there. I don't know. It's to me. It doesn't surprise me that much. Although it does surprise me that he's the quarterback one. Like that part is like, oh wow, okay, where the hell did that come from? But yeah, no, I mean, and you know, and he's put up pretty good games even against like Seattle and stuff. So I don't know, man. I think he could be. I think he could be the quarterback one to finish the year. I, I wouldn't be that surprised, especially against the NFC South. It's doable.
0: I feel like the way with Tom Brady is playing. If he gets eight more weeks, I mean. He's just blazing. He's on pace right now for 12 games, 36 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Obviously, that's not going to keep up. It's probably going to be like 35-1, and one, but um, man, he is so good. And then Aaron Rodgers, now that he's throwing the ball 50 times a game, I think Matt Ryan's going to be hard-pressed to be QB1, but you're right. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. He He looks legitimate. There's going to be a game that Tom Brady
1: completely falls off the map, and maybe it's either ineffectiveness or – just the fact that they're, you know, they're just running the rock or whatever it might be. But there, there will be a game where Tom Brady, uh, between now and the end of the season, where he just puts up, like, eight points. And, I, I like, I get it. He's going just hog right now, right? But, like, you know, keep in mind, he played Cleveland. He played a decimated Bills team. That Bills team was just ravaged by injuries. I lo- I like what I'm seeing obviously, but I am not I'm not one of those guys that's saying, "Oh, well, here here comes football, Jesus." I'm like, "Uh, eh, okay, he's still, you know, upper 30s. Uh his wide receiving core looks banged up and not explosive, so I don't know. I, I- there's going to be a week where he runs into a a defense that's well prepared and and can take away those options." You're making me really nervous,
0: James. <laughs> I'm uh, <laughs> I'm a Tom Brady owner, so Um, you're also taking away his trade value for all the people in my league listening to this, but yeah, I think you're right. Um, (laughs) I I do think you're right.
1: I think, I mean, the thing with trading quarterbacks is dude, somebody just hit me up on Twitter. Should I trade Tom Brady for D'Angelo Williams? I'm like, no,
0: what? No. (laughs) Some of these questions, they've got to be fake, man. I get so many of them. I I don't know which ones to believe. And some of these leagues, it's like, what are you playing a four-team league?
1: But and, and like and this was the crazy thing. Like, so somebody sent that to me last night. His all of his replies were like, yeah, hundred percent. Trade him. Trade him. Trade Tom Brady. Get D'Angelo. Of course, you could get replacement value, replacement level quarterback play off the waiver wire. Of course, you get D'Angelo Williams. I'm like, dude, are you serious right now? Like, like no. Like, that is absolutely ridiculous. If we did a redraft today, where does D'Angelo Williams go? And where does Tom Brady go? Let me, I, that's, the, that's the way I always do it. 30 like and 150.
0: Like, yeah, it's not
1: even close. That's exactly. the
0: way I do it too. You're right.
1: It's crazy. I'm like, that, that's how I always say it. Like, uh, and then you're like, well, what about my roster? I'm like, bro, I don't care about your roster composition. I don't care about your scoring system. Like, like, Let's do a redraft today, right now. Where does D'Angelo Williams go? And where does Tom Brady go? So now you tell me, is that a fair trade? Like, Tom Brady's probably going in round five or six. D'Angelo Williams probably going around 12, 13, maybe undrafted. So, yeah, if you want to trade a fifth-round pick for an undrafted guy, for sure, 100% do it. But, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you do that trade. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, So, trading quarterbacks is, is always so tricky because of this whole mindset of, oh, they're just so replaceable. It's like, okay, that's cool and all, but, like – I don't know. Like, can you really? I mean, you're playing this game with other, four or five other managers who are also playing the waiver wire. Like, I, I don't know. I don't
0: necessarily buy that. All right. Best waiver wire out of the season. I've got Jamison Crowder. It's going to end up being Jay Ajayi. I know it's going to be, but right now it's still Jamison Crowder.
1: Yeah, Jay Ajayi, back-to-back 200-yard games. I mean, you know, he looks so good. He looks so good. Is he going to be a first-round pick next year? I hope not, because that would just be, to me, that'd be a crazy overreaction, but...
0: I mean, C.J. Anderson was two years ago after having a great second half, and, uh, you know, David Johnson, which, David Johnson, there's a good reason for that, obviously, but, um, you know, people go crazy about these kind of things. If he finishes the year strong, he probably will be, and I'll be telling people not to draft him.
1: Yeah, I don't, I guess that's the question, right? Like, how is he going to finish the year? We got, you know, eight more games or whatever, like, how does he finish the year I, I'm not sold that he will get that crazy I don't know like I'm still like in terms of like waiver wire guys I'm still higher on Spencer Ware I'm still higher on Devonte Booker um I know that Devontae Booker's not even gonna play this week but I'm still higher on on Devonte Booker than J.H.I.E. but I don't know uh it, I don't know I don't think anybody knows what to think of JHI right like, can anyone here, like, confidently say, yes, Jay Ajayi is going to be a top five running back from here on out? No, there's just no way. Because he could legitimately be a top five running back, and he could legitimately not play again. Like, the, the range of outcomes for Jay Ajayi is so wide and so varied, it's hard to give analysis or
0: advice regarding what to do with his value. If I was smart enough to pick him up, which I wasn't, I would be trading him right now because I'm looking at his schedule. He's got the Jets, the Rams, the Ravens, the Cardinals, the Jets again, and then a Bills team that should be healthy by week 16, and then the New England Patriots. So I'm trading him now while his value is still through the roof, and uh, you know maybe I can get someone who uh, has less value, Doug Martin. I don't know when he's coming back, but... Um, you know, I, there's a lot of people that I'd prefer over Jay Ajayi with his rest of the season schedule.
1: But no, you're right. I mean, Bobby, you're right. I, I don't I don't hate that deal. Jay Ajayi for Doug Martin? Of course, you would do that. But that being said, like, th- you, I mean, there, the range of possibility, it, it's within the realm of possibility that he at least, at least you could say, like, he, it's possible that he does finish as a top five running back. It's possible. I just don't know... If it's, I don't know, man, I'm just so confused with Jade I don't know what the hell to do with that guy. I had him too. And then I dropped him because everybody was telling me the coaching staff hates this guy. I mean, he was left in Miami, um, I think in week three because he was
0: pouting. That's crazy. If he was on the Patriots, Belichick would trade him for a seventh round pick right now. Probably true. (laughs) Probably true. I mean, they traded Jamie Collins for nothing. So yeah, you're probably right. All right. Biggest fantasy disappointment. I mean, you can go with any of these guys uh, with injuries, maybe Jamal Charles or, you know, Adrian Peterson, what have you. For guys who I'm putting in my lineup every single week and continue to disappoint me, that's what I'm thinking of here. Alan Robinson, Todd Gurley, I can't make up my mind. They're both just abysmal. They're, they're both making me so sad every week. Yeah, Todd Gurley, I think, is the clear cut because he went
1: 1.1 in a lot of leagues. And this was despite all of the advanced metrics coming out near the near the start of the uh, season that basically said, "Look, don't do it. Like it's not. It's most likely not going to happen for Todd Gurley this year." There were a lot of advanced analytics out there, um, and I get it. Most people, you know, don't play in those kind of leagues, but there was a lot of information out there that basically said Todd Gurley was not going to be able to do what he did last year. That being said, you know, obviously, I don't know if anyone thought he was going to be this bad. You know, uh, yeah, like, don't take him 1.1. Okay, great. But like, like, like 1.10? Yeah, okay, you take him there, right? But even for 1.10, he sucks, right? So, like, um, I don't know. Like, yeah, he's definitely been in there because you're plugging him in every week. Uh, I think, I think Alan Robinson has been just, I mean, holy hell, it's not even him. Like, I feel bad for for, for Allen Robinson. Blake Bortles might be the worst quarterback in the league right now.
0: You put Allen Robinson with Alex Smith, and he's a top five wide receiver.
1: Alex Smith is mediocre.
0: I don't disagree at all.
1: No, you're right. Um, You know who else is up there, though? It's Jordy Nelson, man. Like, I think, you know, every single week you're plugging him in, and there's been quite a few weeks. I mean, look, I, I know that the touchdowns have been there, but I'm moving forward, I'm scared of Jordy
0: Nelson. Really yeah, I'm not am. expecting those kind of touchdowns to continue. It's uh he might be the, the third best wide receiver on his team. Now.
1: Here's the thing that I, that, that, that I wrote about was that right now he, he is sporting a, he's sporting like, I don't know, like a 50% ca- uh, touchdown rate in the red zone and um, on red zone targets. And that's just not sustainable. So like, if you look at like Odell Beckham jr. Or like Mike Evans, like we're talking about guys that in for red zone targets haul in maybe maybe thirty percent maybe, right? And that's pretty good. So I don't. I mean, the fifty percent touchdown rate in for red zone targets is not sustainable. Um, also, the target share in the red zone is not sustainable. Like, there's just no way. Like, we're watching. You know, Devontae Adams start to get a lot more looks. We're start, we're starting to see Ty Montgomery get a lot more looks. I just, I'm really scared of Jordy Nelson moving forward. He has been kept afloat in the first half through touchdowns, and that's great. Uh, I'm just
0: saying moving forward, I, I think he's going to fall off a map. Plus, you've got James Starks coming back, who's going to take a lot of targets. So, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I think right now, if you sold Jordy Nelson, you could get more than he's worth, even though he's been so bad. I agree.
1: Uh, and again, I, and when I say so bad, I
0: mean, look, he's had like a few, like really bad
1: weeks and like, he's had, I think four pretty good games. I'm just saying, I'm just saying in terms of a uh, disappointment moving forward, uh, I think Jordy's going to be right there. So, you know, I'm not saying he's been worse than, uh, you know, worse than even like Odell Beckham. Cause you know, Odell Beckham's had more, a, a larger share of games that have been uh,
0: really horrendous, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think just moving forward, I'm, I'm scared for Jordy. James, we might have been agreeing too much so far this show, so I'm going to pull out a hot take right now. Let's go. All right. Here's my bold prediction at wide receiver. When Alshon comes back from his week nine bye, after that, he's going to be a top three wideout over the final weeks of the season. Holy you, hell, pal. What do you think about that one? Um,
1: Wow. I got to process that he's got one touchdown of the season, dude. You can make fun of <laughs> me if you want, man. You can make fun of me. I have reasons ready. Um, Man, look, I know that Jay Cutler likes him, uh, and uh, he has Alshon. Alshon's been a monster uh, in previous seasons, but
0: uh, it's hard It's hard for me to wrap my mind around that. I, I, I'd love for you to explain. All right, here we go. Tampa Bay, the Giants, Tennessee Titans, who are horrible against the past – the 49ers, Detroit Lions, Packers, Redskins. Man, it looks really pretty. And especially considering Kevin White's out, Jay Cutler's back. Um, I don't know, man. I just, uh, with that Cutler and Alshon connection and that schedule of strength, I think there's a real chance for that to happen. I, I know there's there's better wide receivers ahead of him. He's probably, what, wide receiver 12, 13 now. So he's going to have to take a leap. Is he even that high? Is he that high? I mean, he's got one touchdown on the season. Like, is that possible? Touchdowns aren't that important. He's still getting a ton of targets. He's getting a bunch of yards. He's got, what, almost 600 on the year. So, touchdowns are bound to come. He's a good red zone target. I bet he finishes the year with seven, eight touchdowns.
1: All right. Hell, if that happens, I'd be, I'd be super stoked. I've got him on a couple different teams. Um yeah man, I'm I'm all about it. Let's do it. I uh, I mean gosh, top 3 though. I don't know like it's like I said I I, I mean I love the fact that you looked up his uh, schedule because I think you're right. Like the schedule does play such a huge factor. Uh but man, that'd be that would be really really interesting. Uh gosh, so, I, so I'm looking
0: up where he's at. Where where is he right now? Alshon Jeffrey He's 81 overall so far this season, so that puts him at about wide receiver 24 so far. But from week to week, I think most people would agree he's right there between 10 and 15.
1: You know what's so funny? I don't even I don't look at the the season long like rankings because fantasy football and redraft leagues is such a week to week proposition. So Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, if I'm reading this right, is is the wide receiver 25. In standard scoring, he's a, uh, the wide receiver 25 right behind Tyrell Williams and Jarvis Landry. But but yeah, man, wow, top three. I'm all about it. Let's go. I like
0: it. So everyone remembers David Johnson uh, just dominated at the end of last season and just being a fantasy beast going to the fantasy playoffs. Who could that be this season? Is there anyone that you could see emerging and um, becoming a fantasy championship workhorse?
1: Yeah, I think Devontae Booker. Um, you know, you, you, gotta love the Kubiak scheme. I think the, I think the talent level is there. It's a great schematic fit. And quite frankly, they don't really have anybody really behind them. I mean, I know, you know, Juwan Thompson or whatever had a touchdown too. I think it was like his only carry for a one yard score. Capri Bibbs out of Colorado state is a, is a very interesting deep sleeper, but overall, I think it's Booker's backfield. And um
0: I think he could be that guy that wins you your league this year. Kenneth Dixon. Now, the Ravens love this guy. He is so good. It just it just depends on the touches. And Terrence West, he had a few week schedule games that made him look real good. But uh, the touches are going to change within the next two or three weeks, probably starting a little bit this week where Dixon gets eight to ten touches. So I'm picking him up now before it's too late, because once he gets his hands on 15 touches a game, he's not looking back. This guy is going to be a very good fantasy player.
1: I love Kenneth Dixon, and you, you have no idea how much I was talking up Kenneth Dixon in the offseason. season. Um, coming out of Louisiana Tech, I watched you know a lot of game tape on him because uh, I, I, I mean I like college football, but I don't regularly watch Louisiana Tech football games. <laughs> but but yeah, no, look, he's a great uh, a great young running back. Now I liked him a lot more when they had their previous offensive coordinator because. Uh, they were throwing the ball to the, to the running back and where Kenneth Dixon excels is catching uh, footballs out of the backfield. He's an exceptional talent catching footballs uh, as a running back. If you, I mean, just go look at his, some of his highlight catches and you're like, this is not,
0: this doesn't look like a running back catching football. He's special. He looks like Le'Veon Bell to me. He really, I know that, that that's an exaggeration. He's Le'Veon Bell light but this is the same type of player. He's dynamic.
1: Yeah. You know, the other thing too is like his in between the the tackles running actually reminds me a lot of Thomas Rawls. It's angry. He doesn't avoid contact. He squares up his shoulder levels uh, and he also has a great leg churn. Um, so I don't know, to me, I think Kenneth Dixon is the talent levels there. The only thing about for this particular year is uh, opportunities. Um, Terrence West as you mentioned, maybe he was going up against you know favorable matchups or whatever. But the bottom line is, all the numbers suggest that he's been running pretty well. So I don't know. I, I don't think they just cast him aside. I think Buck Allen is still going to get some work in the passing in passing situations as well. I just think it's really muddy um, in terms of the backfield there for Baltimore. But because when you talk about David Johnson. By the end of the year, there was nobody left. Like Chris Johnson was hurt, Andre Ellington was hurt, and then David Johnson got the uh, got the bulk of the carries just because he was literally the last running back standing. and And we saw flashes of just athletic brilliance from him earlier in the season. So then they went with him, and then and then it was a game changer. And then they never looked back. But that's kind of what would have to happen in Baltimore, I think, for Kenneth Dixon to explode. Uh, I think West will have to get injured and well, maybe that's it. Cause I mean, Buck Allen's clearly not, you know, the answer, but, but yeah. So I think Terrence West would actually have to go down with injury before Kenneth Dixon actually just,
0: you know, claims that mantle. Yeah. It's probably going to be someone who's starting running back gets hurt or maybe two or th- two or three running backs get hurt. It's just the way that it goes. Yeah.
1: I, w- I mean, here's the thing. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, let's say like, let's say, you know, we talked about DeMarco. If DeMarco goes down, I wouldn't be surprised if Derek Henry, um is that guy
0: yep yep definitely okay I've got one final question for you James I mean we're looking at the the top tight ends obviously Greg Olson but Rob Gronkowski Jordan Reed and Jimmy Graham are all very injury prone so if you're looking for insurance for the second half of the season who's a tight end you could see emerging into a uh tight end one the tight end position has just been I mean abysmal this year Jordan Reed is your tight end four okay
1: He's got 59 and a half fantasy points uh, in standard leagues. You go all the way down your to, to your tight end 25, that's Lance Kendricks. He's got 30 points. That's not a whole heck of a lot of difference. There's a 30-point difference between Jordan Reed and Lance Kendricks through eight weeks. Like, that's not... I mean, and again, Jordan Reed's missed a couple games, right? So, like, it's just been... Uh, I mean, the tight end position this year has just been abysmal. So, yeah, and then you talk about Rob G- Here's your top four tight ends, right? Greg Olson, Gronk, Martellus Bennett is still at three, and Jordan Reed. Well, guess what? Gronk, Bennett, and Reed are all on a bye this week. Zach Miller's your tight end six. He's on a bye. Tight end is, I don't know what the hell to do with tight end this year, but um, the one guy that i've been ranting and raving about and I freaking love this kid i and I know he's probably off of your waiver wire already, but Jack Doyle man he is good he's really good. you look at his catch rate it's amazing uh i i he's not necessarily you know he doesn't have a great athletic profile. But, you know, playing tight end, you don't necessarily need to be that guy. I think Dante Moncrief coming back is is great um, for the overall offense. I think they're going to move it. And then once they get to within the red zone, I do believe Jack Doyle is going to be that dude. Now, obviously, his emergence has, has a lot to do with Dwayne Allen going down with an ankle injury. And once Allen's Dwayne not Allen taking that job back, back. Gosh, I mean, I mean, you wouldn't think so. But I don't know, man. This
0: is a weird coaching staff.
1: I don't know. If you
0: look at their roster composition, they d- clearly don't make good moves. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Howland does take the job back.
1: I know. I know, and he's the veteran, and they give him a big contract. I mean, that's the thing—they give him a big contract. Uh, that's that's the one thing that concerns me. But I, yeah, I don't know if Jack Doyle does somehow hold on to that starting gig, or hell, if they run too tight, if they—I mean, if they run that twelve personnel with Moncrief and T. Y. Hilton on the outside, because clearly they don't have any of the receivers but you know i think i think early in the season i think they want to run three three wide receivers so they're running a lot 11 but i just think you know i i think it's clear that you know dorsett's not ready uh right now so i don't know man i think with moncrief back i think they run they could run um 12 personnel a lot I, i think they want to i wouldn't be surprised if they uh, if they do that moving forward, but I, I, I actually, I kind of sort of forgot your question.
0: <laughs> Which tight ends good insurance for one of those big guys for for me, it's Cameron Bray. And look, it has nothing to do with how good Cameron Bray is because he's not good. He's virtually Hendricks, um, you know, who's down there at tight end 25, but what is, is he the second uh, best target for, for Jameis Winston? And you look at their schedule, the rest of the season, they've got new Orleans twice in the fantasy playoffs. If you're looking for insurance, You go with that. They've also got Dallas. Um, They've got San Diego, Kansas City, Chicago, Atlanta. I'm picking up Cameron Brate just because he's the number two guy, maybe number three uh, for a team that's going to be passing a ton and and lighting up these terrible defenses.
1: I don't disagree with that. I like it. And, you know, you talk about the uh, the overall talent level. I don't think he's bad. Um, You know, obviously, he's not an explosive athlete in any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, I think he's there. He's okay. He's an okay talent level, so I don't know. I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. I'll give you a deep sleeper, if you don't mind. Uh, Austin Hooper, he plays yeah, on Yeah, he's my guy. All right. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, he's, he's good, man. They need to get him the ball. I agree. I totally agree. Um, Jacob Tamme has an injury right now. I don't hate Austin Hooper, actually, on Thursday night versus Tampa Bay. And and I think if he can do some things, I wouldn't be surprised if if he can make an impact. Um, it's clear right now that Matt Ryan has changed his 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 overall philosophy uh, to playing quarterback. He's much more content uh, throwing underneath, and he's much more content spreading the ball around. That's what we've seen. I mean, look at Julio Jones. I mean, I get it. You know, he's got like he had a three hundred yard game, he had a hundred seventy yard game, or whatever it was. He's got you know, but it's either. It's, it's either huge yardage or no yardage for Julio and those games he's, he has Julio Jones of all people has two games with less than 30 yards receiving. It's just mind boggling, but it tells you about the offensive philosophy that Atlanta has, which is they're going to spread the ball around. So if you overcommit to Julio, that's cool. Matt Ryan is still going to carve you up. And again, remember he's a quarterback one. He's carving people up because he doesn't necessarily have to go
0: to Julio Jones. You're right. Yeah. Hooper has been the most efficient tight end in all of football this year with the targets he's seen. And look, I don't expect that to keep up when he's playing virtually every snap, Um, but he can be a tight end one and he can win this job and keep it for the rest of the season. I, I like him a lot. I'm glad you brought up his name. There you go. All right. Well, that's all the questions we have for you, James. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, as always, it was a blast to talk to you and looking forward to seeing how this, uh, how this all turns out. All right. Thanks for having me on, Bobby. Anytime. It's our pleasure. Take care, James. Just a quick reminder, we're doing the My Playbook Ultimate Giveaway once again. One person that's going to get a free upgrade with all the goodies. All you have to do to enter, subscribe and review us on iTunes, then copy-paste it to me in an email, bobby at fantasypros.com, or tweet me at bobbyfantasypro. All right, now on over to Greg Smith, who's a top 10 most accurate expert this season out of over 140 experts. Hey, Greg, how are you enjoying the success?
2: Uh, (laughs) Well, I'm enjoying it while I can because I haven't seen the the rankings for week eight come out yet. And who knows where I'll be after that? We'll see.
0: I just uh, finished the article and you are well within the top 10. I don't think you moved at all. So uh, you you had another good week and uh, it's been great. Looking forward to hearing who you picked this week.
2: Nice. Yeah, I've... uh had a good run so far. Let's see if I can keep it going.
0: Well, what we're going to do today, we're going to compare your rankings to ECR. And for those of you listening, ECR is expert consensus ranking. So it's like the average ranking of those 141 experts I talked about. Let's see where you stand on a few important start, sit type of players this week. And we'll start at quarterback. I'm huge on Marcus Mariota this week. Over the past four weeks, only Tom Brady has more fantasy points. I mean, Marcus Mariota, Aaron Rodgers has been on a complete tear, and Mariota's still been better. Ten touchdowns, one interception, ton of rushing yards, and now he gets this crummy Chargers defense without their best player. Yes, please. How do you feel about Mariota this week?
2: Yeah, I think um he's in a good spot again. I, I think the San Diego defense might be a little bit better than you're giving it credit for, uh, but his schedule to this point has been a little soft, like the the past few weeks of success. So yeah, I have a few misgivings about Marietta, but with, with that said, like he has been playing well. I think that offense is a lot better when Delaney Walker's on the field, when uh, Kendall Wright is playing well for them. Uh, there, there's reason for optimism. I, I have him right at QB 12 this week, so in a 12-team league, he's a start for me. Uh, but you know, the downside is there as well. I, I don't think you should blindly start him. There, there are plenty of other uh, good options this week I think you could look for, um, maybe if you're streaming or something like that.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the ECR. ECR has him at eight. I've got him at seven this week. So almost every expert has him startable in a 12-team league. I'm sure there's, you know, two or three out there where that's not the case. But um, people that are kind of controversial quarterbacks this week, Derek Carr at Denver. How do you think he's going to hold up there, Greg?
2: Yeah, Carr's a tough one. He's been playing so well. Um, I live in the Bay Area, so I get the chance to watch a lot of Raiders games basically wherever I am on Sundays. So uh, it's been fun to watch him kind of breakout again in, in this in this season you know last year i thought was a bit of a fluke but he's proved me wrong so far i do worry about this matchup a fair amount um with that said the the strength of the denver defense is their pass rush oakland has the best offensive line if you look at adjusted sack rate uh from football outsiders so maybe they can give Carr a little bit of extra time to throw does that matter if you know those wide receivers are getting covered up i'm not sure um I'm also worried about play calling going against Carr, you know, because it is easier to run against the Broncos than to pass it. The Raiders could lean a little bit more heavily on the backfield. Um, and if they get that lower volume in a difficult matchup, I, that's just not a recipe for success. I, I think that, you know, he he's startable in maybe a two-quarterback league, but um, for one-quarterback leagues, I, I'd shy away and look for somebody else. There, there are better options.
0: I've got him at 14, and I'm feeling a little bit uh... – silly about that I feel like he should be lower because that Denver defense is just so good just to give you an example I mean it's a 16 by week so there aren't many quarterbacks I've got Colin Kaepernick ranked ahead of Derek Carr this week Kaepernick goes against New Orleans and you know if you don't have a better quarterback I wouldn't mind starting Kaepernick this week and I'll say that like twice a year but uh he has a good matchup this week
2: yeah Kaepernick's in my top 10 I'd start him ahead of guys like Mariota um Russell Wilson even um the floor there is going to be insane, especially if both teams can push the pace a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that game.
0: Now, how do you feel about Russell Wilson? I mean, he's just been a complete turd. He gets Buffalo this week, and I'm not really sure what to make of him. I've got about 11 right now, but that's kind of just kind of a placeholder because he has that, uh, that brace on his knee. He's had ankle issues. He's had what shoulder issues and everything else. So I don't know what to think about him.
2: Yep, the health is, is 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 his main concern. Uh you know that that lack of mobility we've seen from him recently. It's just not helping that the offensive line is is terrible too. Uh yeah, I worry about him, but at the same time, he's still Russell Wilson. I believe he's a like a smart passer uh and and a we're hearing rumblings that maybe his health uh you know could be trending upward, but I don't know. That O-line could continue to struggle against Buffalo. They have the second-best adjusted sack rate in the league, uh, going back to FO stats. Just in general, though, like that Bills defense isn't that scary against the pass. Even mediocre quarterbacks like Tannehill and Kaepernick and Fitzpatrick have all had solid games against them. So I think despite the injury worries with Wilson, I think he's fine this week. I've got him at number, I think, number 10. Yeah, that's
0: what it is to me. It's not even so much the injuries. I mean, obviously he hasn't been himself because of the injuries, but those aren't going to persist all season long. The issue is the offensive line. That's not going to change. Um, and so Russell Wilson was actually dropped in one of my 12 team leagues. And I thought for a second, like it, it would be crazy if I didn't pick him up, but I didn't pick him up because, you know, I've got two decent quarterbacks and I'm just not sure um that he's really worth a roster spot at this point i know that's crazy to say because he's 90 percent owned but he's been
2: so bad and the offensive line is even worse you've got i mean you've got to make those decisions at some point you know the uh there are other guys that you're gonna have to cut um just to do it and quarterbacks the easiest position to do that it's the most streamable it's um yeah i can understand that i can see that happening
0: all right over at running back and it is ugly in this bipocalypse week are you starting mike gillisley face seattle
2: Probably not, if I can help it. Uh, we don't know yet if LaShawn McCoy is going to come back, but even still, that Seattle defense is legit. Um, and I I don't know. I'd rather have Tyrod in that game, I think.
0: All right, and Greg, how do you feel about Tim Hightower against this terrible 49ers defense? I know they're saying they're going to split carries with, with him and Ingram, but I wouldn't mind starting both of them this week.
2: Yeah, we know it's a timeshare. That's what worries me here, is that we know it's a timeshare, but we don't know how they're going to split it I might be holding on a little too tight to my preseason evaluations, but I still think Mark Ingram is clearly their best running back, and he's the guy they want in the backfield when it matters. Uh, you know, despite last week's fumble, he should. Despite last week's fumble, he should get the bulk of the work. On the other hand, you know this is an easy matchup for the Saints going into San Francisco, so I, it wouldn't surprise me if we see that carry split a little bit more deliberate especially if the saints are trying to send a message to ingram uh you know about the fumbles i, I could see him having a, a more limited workload and making hightower startable as well like I, i'm a little worried about either i don't really want to start either one um but but they could both be fine this week that's for sure
0: that san francisco run defense is so bad with navarro bowman out i think that if uh if Ladanian tomlinson came out of retirement and was like 60 pounds heavier i'd still start him that's how bad the defense is um But I don't know what to think here. I mean, Tim Hightower, I know a lot of people remember this stat. He was the most owned player on championship fantasy teams last year. So everyone automatically thinks like he finished the year. Great. That's what I was telling people. That's what I was thinking. Right. Uh, It's not true. If you go back and look at the numbers, he was a mediocre running back with four yards per carry. And he just, um, you know, happened to get a couple touchdowns there. He was mediocre in great matchups and you know, they're not going to always have great matchups. So I'm not super high on Hightower. If he takes over the job, yeah, yeah, he's probably startable because that offense is going to score a lot of points. But, um, you know, this is a great matchup. It's one of the only weeks I'd be willing to play him. And even so, he's right on the border for me.
2: Yeah, he's at RB25 for me. He, he definitely is right there in flex consideration. But I do think that's mostly due to the bye weeks.
0: All right. I'm skeptical on CJ Procise. I know he had, uh, you know, a big week last week uh, being the backup, but really, he just had one big catch. Are you buying him as a startable asset? Or are you concerned like me?
2: Yeah, I'm actually a little optimistic when it comes to Procise. I think that they drafted him for a reason. You know, I don't think they knew what they had in Christine Michael when they started training camp necessarily, but they added Prosize, you know, to be this guy, to be their pass catcher out of the backfield. And I don't think he's going to become David Johnson overnight, but could he become a Darren Sproles type? Sure. Um, that's that's about where I'm ranking him this week and that's probably where he'll be as long as he performs like this. I think he's that type of player.
0: I think that's a really fair way to put it. His ceiling right now is Darren Sproles unless he starts getting a bunch of carries and then it's maybe like a uh, theoretic, uh, but he's not getting a bunch of carries, so he's but, not. But that's theoretic. why you have
2: to add him is because he might
0: Exactly. Yeah, you're you're right about that. Um, And he's available in a lot of leagues. So if he's available in your league and you're not playing in one of these like six or eight team leagues, go get him. Um, I I think he's going to be useful towards the end of the season. You never know when that injury is going to happen. And if it does, uh, even with that terrible offensive line, this this boy can play some football. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't mind having him on my roster. Greg, is there another running back that's kind of on the fringe this week that you're fond of? I like Don Jackson. I'm really not happy about it, but compared to everybody else, I I wouldn't mind starting this week.
2: No, I don't want any part of that Packers backfield, to be honest. I'm I'm steering well clear of most of those guys. Uh, Let's see. Peyton Barber comes to mind, the Tampa Bay uh, running back. Anton Smith's getting all the hype, but we don't necessarily know that Barber's going to be 100% out of the picture there uh, now that Jaquiz Rogers is out. So, So he's another kind of flex play for me at running back who you might not consider.
0: All right, now moving over to wide receiver, there's a couple guys that are kind of in the fringe, and, uh, you know, everyone knows I like Marquise Lee, but he had that stinker last week. How do you feel about him compared to maybe a Brian Quick or Russell Shepard, who have both put together some pretty solid weeks here and there? Who who would you prefer to start of those three?
2: You and I both like Lee, and he is probably the best PPR option of these guys long-term, but he has a tough opponent this week and the Chiefs. They rank fourth by DVOA uh, against, you know, non-wide receiver ones and non-wide receiver twos. Uh, So those wide receiver threes and fours, uh, they're good against that type of player. Um, So for me, this week, it's quick. Uh, The Panthers are pretty weak against the air attack, and the Rams don't really have a true number one wide receiver. So any of the pass catchers in that core is kind of capable of taking on that number one role in any given week. So why not Brian Quick? I I think we've seen him have those, those big plays, that touchdown upside. Uh, that maybe some of the other receivers there, like Tavon Austin, don't quite have. So, yeah, he's the guy I'm I'm starting. Uh, Shepard's already doubtful for this week's game, so I'm staying away from him altogether. Um, Yeah, so it's quick.
0: Okay, Greg, who's a wideout that uh, is kind of on the fringe of being startable that you're really high on this week?
2: I like Kenny Stills, but I've liked Kenny Stills a lot of previous weeks and been burned by it. So take take this all with a grain of salt. He's that type of boom-bust, big-play guy. He faces the Jets, and they've been pretty atrocious against the pass, particularly deep balls. He has that big-play upside you look for when you're trying to take a flyer on a wide receiver, I think. Uh, so if you're trying to pluck somebody off the waiver wire and plug them into your lineup, Stills is capable of having a big game this week.
0: Yeah, for me, it's Tory Smith. I already mentioned uh, my affinity for Kaepernick this week going up against the Saints. I mean, you've got to love any quarterback going up against the Saints. But uh, now that Kaepernick's the quarterback, Jeremy Curley's kind of on the outside looking in and Torrey Smith is the number one guy there. So someone's got to put up points against fantasy points against the Saints. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's Torrey Smith. He rails off a big catch or two, grabs himself a touchdown. And uh, I've got him right inside my top 30 this week.
2: I like that call a lot. I like Vance McDonald as a deep tight end sleeper for that same reason. Somebody's got to catch passes from Kaepernick in that game.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, how about someone you're recommending fantasy owners avoid playing if they can at wide receiver?
2: I am officially back off the Golden Tate bandwagon. I never, never really got on it. You know, I think a lot of what he was doing in recent weeks had to do with theoretic not being 100%, not being on the field at all in some cases. Uh, so I think that Tate's usage is going to continue to slip back to what we saw earlier in the season, um, you know, back when everyone was calling for his head. So it has to do with the defense as well here. He's facing Minnesota's top five pass defense. So, yeah, I'd steer clear of Golden Tate this week. I, I think that you have to be more cautious with him despite, you know, the recent solid performance he's put up.
0: Yeah, I've got him at 36, so he's right on the fringe for me. Someone that I'm recommending to not play is Cole Beasley uh, for the Cowboys. I mean, I know he's been solid. He's been pretty consistent. He hasn't been putting up big games, and now Des Bryant's back. So what are you going to do with that? I mean, they're going to run the ball a ton against the Browns anyway. Game script's not really favorable for uh, for the Dallas passing game because they're going to be up so big, so probably going to stop passing in the second half for the most part. So I'm avoiding Cole Beasley this week. Maybe another week I'll play him, but um, right now he's one of those guys that— uh I just think the ceiling is so limited that why not take a flyer on someone like Tyreek Hill.
2: Yeah, Dez doesn't kill his value, but he really suppresses it in certain matchups, especially winnable games like this. I like that call a lot. I'm not starting him either.
0: Over at tight end, who's a name we could stream and start this week?
2: So I threw out Vance McDonald earlier and I think um I've got a couple <laughs> Other guys here that I like a little bit more than him. Uh, The first I'd look for is Dennis Pitta. He might be owned in your league, you know, but with his bye last week, he could have also been dropped. So keep an eye out. Um, He hasn't had a truly good game since week two against Cleveland, but the targets have been there. They've been consistently high. You know, meanwhile, Baltimore's doesn't, they don't really have a whole lot of guys to use in the red zone aside from Pitta. So I expect him to, you know, maybe get his first touchdown sometime soon, As maybe as early as this weekend, hopefully. Um, I'll go out on a limb and say that does happen because, you know, Pittsburgh gives up a lot of tight, uh, tight end targets, nine targets per game, 10th most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. Yeah, for, for me, Pitt is the number one guy I'd look for. If you want to go a little deeper, uh, if you're scraping the barrel a little harder, uh, Austin Hooper of the Falcons uh, has a nice matchup this week, short week. Jacob Tammy's not playing. Uh, he could, you know, bust some narratives about first-year tight ends. Uh, in this matchup against Tampa Bay, he's another guy I like.
0: Yeah, James Cohen and I talked about him later. We both like Austin Hooper a lot. For me, the guy's Charles Clay. Seattle's horrible against defending tight end. I talk about it almost every week. I oh, we can't
2: finish a game though.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, but you know what? They're they're gonna be playing from behind. Um, and who else is he gonna pass the ball to? I mean, is he gonna pass it to Robert Woods? <laughs> That's it's kind of a joke, right? I mean, Charles Clay is not good. But he's probably better than everyone else they have there. I will eat my socks if he doesn't lead the team in targets just because Seattle doesn't even try to defend the tight end. They never have.
2: Yeah, I mean I have the the same curse of Clay every week where I want to rank him high and then he burns me every time. Like I I'm so sick of him having these good matchups in, in places where you think he'd have all this volume and it just doesn't come together. But you're right, the potential is absolutely there. I, I just I'm I've been burned too many times. I'm skeptical.
0: Greg, how about a tight end that you're really worried about this week that a lot of people might consider starting?
2: I think that Kobe Fleener probably has the most red flags of the guys who may still have that name value, that public perception, you know, pumping them up. The Saints have always spread the ball around. That's, you know, a curse of all their receiving options. So his usage um, is sporadic for that reason. His usage on the field is also declining. Um, and the 49ers rate fairly well against tight ends. If you look at uh, DVOA, they're eighth in the league against the position. So um, he's a guy I don't really like. For a, like a newer name, now that Moncrief is back for the Colts, Jack Doyle is a little scarier to me. I think he's a little overvalued. But there's still potential for him in that offense just based on the volume of passes that Luck is going to make uh, against the Packers. So I am I feel better about Doyle than I do Fleener. But uh, Fleener's the, the number one guy for me.
0: I'm looking at Eric Ebron and, you know, he's been sitting right there around 14 to 17 all year in ECR and in ECR this week, he's number 11 at Minnesota. Um, you know, I know Minnesota is not like a world beater against tight ends, but they're still a great defense. And Eric Ebron is a middle of the road tight end. So I don't understand why the love I've got him all the way down at 16 this week, um, right where he usually is. So I'm telling people not to start Ebron unless like your tight ends on a buy and you've got no better options, but uh, I don't think he's in for a good week.
2: Yeah. I don't mind that call. I think that the the Vikings pass rush could put Detroit in a spot where he has to block more. And if that starts to take away from his volume, that could be a problem Um The Vikings do allow like eight and a half targets per game uh, to the tight end position, but I don't know. That might just be short routes. It might not be the type of routes you want from Ebron, you know, those seam routes, those, uh, those uh, touchdown plays, but we'll see. I I think that's a tough call. Like Ebron's one of the harder players to evaluate this week. I like being bold on the, on the sit-in side though.
0: All right. Streaming defense. Who are you going with this week?
2: I'm probably not alone in this pick, but I love the Packers. You know, some might be scared off because they're facing, Andrew Luck, this quote-unquote elite quarterback, Um, not to say that Luck isn't good, like Luck is a very good quarterback, but that mentality assumes that he'll have adequate time to throw, you know, and I just don't think that's a guarantee this week. The Packers are really good up front. Uh, They have the fourth-ranked pass rush uh, going up against Indy's dead last-ranked pass defense or pass rush defense uh, in adjusted sack rate, so Andrew Luck could find himself on his back a lot, um, and that sort of script leads to turnovers, and that's what I want to see from my fantasy defense. The potential for a big play, the potential for a fumble, um, they're my number one option this week.
0: I like the Miami Dolphins this week. Um, Look, now that Ajayi's getting the ball a lot, that's going to slow the game down, so their defense is going to give up less points. They're going up against Ryan Fitzpatrick, and here's the thing. I watched this game last week. He took a. Beating in his head. I mean, he's uh, he's got to be playing with a concussion this week. It's uh, I'm not one to really evaluate those type of things, but that was one of the biggest hits to a head I've ever seen, and um, I just can't imagine he's going to bounce back and be 100%. And 100% of Ryan Fitzpatrick throws a lot of picks, so uh, this is a great scenario for the Dolphins to force some turnovers, maybe get a touchdown in there. I've got them all the way up at number six for my defense special teams this week, and that is absolutely startable.
2: Yeah, they're definitely a decent option. The problem is, is I think a lot of people are going to re- recognize that, um, if only because of what you're talking about with Fitzpatrick. It's it's a little more well-publicized. If you're looking a little bit deeper, you could maybe look at the Cowboys, Chargers, and Giants, but I like targeting that Miami defense first. Uh, and if you miss out, maybe go for one of those other squads.
0: All right, Greg. Well, that's all the questions we have for you this week. Thanks again for coming on, and uh Man hopefully when this, is, uh, when this is published, we find out that the Cubs blew their World Series rank, uh, re- lead because I'm just sweating bolts here. It's not looking good.
2: Rooting for a curse, You're, you're malevolent.
0: <laughs> I'm a Cardinals fan. I, I can't help myself,
2: man. All right, well, well, good luck to you and all of your rooting endeavors. We'll see how it goes.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Greg.
2: And for those of you listening, we've got one more show coming up this week. It's the Friday
0: DFS show. And we've got Doug Norrie coming on. So make sure to tune in for that one. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me just all